Are you here? Oh, we're so glad you're here, plugged into episode number 994 of the Paul Leslie Hour. Today, Paul is joined by Rose. Rose likes to keep it familiar, no last name necessary. Rose is the host of Rose Unplugged. Rose is riveting, whether on radio, television, or podcast. Paul is a faithful listener. It's been said about Rose that she's sassy and witty and brings insight on issues regarding politics, faith, and family values. Oh, you're going to love Rose, ladies and gentlemen. And speaking of ladies and gentlemen, you still want to get that subscription in and like the Paul Leslie Hour on Facebook and YouTube. It's free and it'll keep you plugged in. Okay, now here's Paul Leslie with the lovely and talented and down-to-earth and lovable Rose. I'm joined by the woman with the mononymous name, Rose. Rose of Rose Unplugged. She's brought a lot of smiles to my face. I very much enjoy her show, Rose Unplugged, which you can get on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the platforms out there. She is a great voice, whether she's on radio, podcast, or television. Rose, it's so good to talk to you. Oh, I always enjoy talking to you. And we've even begun a little bit of um, exchanges through email. And I'm glad because I'm really enjoying getting to know you. Well, that's very, very kind of you. You're 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 putting up with my uh, my demands, <laughs> <laughs> and you're putting up with my like. How do I do the Skype things? <laughs> new new for all of us. Well, Rose, you have been broadcasting for more than twenty years now. Long time. A, a long time. What has always been the purpose of the broadcast that you do? I love American history. When I was young, that's all I wanted to read was stories about our history, our founding fathers, um, and then even beyond, you know, the very beginnings of this country. And so and, and in college, I did an honors paper on American history. I chose the Revolutionary War period. I called it the case of heaven against hell. And I think I borrowed that from a preacher at the time. But I so I've always been fascinated with that. And it gave me such a great love for this country and a desire to preserve all of those things that we hold dear, particularly our liberty. I mean, that is the most important thing, right? That's what blood was shed over. That's what people sacrificed so much for was liberty. And I think that's why I had a desire to to talk politics. I've always been involved in either politics or um, Christianity. I started out actually in Christian TV and then went from there to just doing a political talk show. But actually there's so many ways where the two um, intertwine. And I think you and I were talking off camera before the other day, and I told you how I'm beginning to almost see that instead of just even bringing the two together, I'm almost finding that things are now more biblical than they are political. I mean, when we talk about abortion, that's thou shall not kill. That's it's not political. When we talk about God said, I formed you when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. That, you know, he created us male and female, right? That is not political. That is biblical. There are so many things now that are going on in this world, in this country specifically, but in general, the world that 
has now become, there's like this really fine line between the two. And I think that's more where my influence is now or where I desire to have an influence. When, when before it fluctuated, first I was in Christian TV, then I was in politics. Now I'm kind of combining and marrying the two because there is a marriage to be made there. Have you always had this unapologeticness? Has, has there ever been any trepidation in uh, speaking about faith or in, in speaking about politics or the Bible? You know, that's a good question, too, because there have been so many times over the years. I mean, I've called the FBI in because I've had suspicious emails or, you know, weird things like that over the 20 some years that I've been doing politics. And I I don't I wouldn't say that I'm afraid or it would stop me from talking about those things that I feel important to talk about. But I used to always say I would rather be ridiculed. I would rather be criticized, condemned for what I say about Jesus Christ than I would even for politics. I am more willing to be attacked because of my religious beliefs rather than even politics, frankly. That that to me is more important. If you want to attack me, go after me for what I believe about faith and how we should be living our lives. So you've gotten you've got you said you've gotten some strange messages. I thought it was just me. No. <laughs> There's a lot of weirdos out there. <laughs> there are a lot of, you know, there are, you know, and then um, there are, but they don't compare to the numbers of really good people who really appreciate what you're doing. They know the sacrifice you're making and, and they, and they're very kind and very supportive. So that's why those few that you get that are kind of like a little strange, they don't compare at all to what, you know, when you compare that to, the general public and and most of them are just so very supportive. I love my audience. You have a way of getting people to really open up. I've listened to a lot of your interviews. So, what is the secret? How do you get somebody to feel that comfort? I think I I think I show them a general interest, a genuine interest in what they're doing, what their topic is or their book. Uh, in addition to that, I mean, you have to understand though, for 20 some years I've been doing this. So I have established good relationships throughout those years with a lot of the people that I have on the show. But the other thing too, is that, I mean, I actually try to understand before I have someone on, it's not like a free fall. I, I really do my research and I show them that I know what I'm talking about. And one of the other things too, that I think is so important is that you listen. When I hear so many people interviewing someone and I want to say to the interviewer, shut up, just shut up because I want the expert's opinion on something. And I always felt that I was really nosy or kind of curious. So it was really easy for me to ask the questions that I think most people want an answer to. And I think that's helped me a lot too in my interview style. Now, when we were talking the other day, I think I saw a keyboard. Yeah. Yes. Rose, are, are you a musical person? <laughs> I, and I don't know why people say that they're surprised when they find that out, but I am. And uh, I love the piano. That's my favorite instrument. I played a lot. Guitar, violin for a short time. I just couldn't. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't do it. But piano has always been one of my favorites. And uh, I just recently at Christmas time bought for myself a new keyboard because I hadn't had one for a long time. I just, I was so committed to being a mom and, you know, doing other things. And it's, I'm at a time in my life where I want to return to some of those things that brought me joy, things that I really enjoyed. 
It doesn't surprise me at all, though, that you you would have. <laughs> I don't know why people say, oh, that's surprised. I'm surprised, Rose. I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, Rose, you've been able to speak to a lot of people that they have a lot of credits to their name. People would say that they're impressive people or yes. people of great fame. Is that ever something that makes you nervous? No. And in fact, I even I interviewed, I think, two years ago, Donald Trump, who asked to be on with me. And I wasn't nervous for that either. In fact, I made a joke and I don't think he got it. So, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I had this like really great line planned for him and and everything. And he kind of just like missed it, I think. But anyway, he was fun to do it with. And I didn't even feel nervous with him. So, no, I didn't. I think I'm genuinely excited to be with somebody. Um, and I feel like the woman who's fighting trafficking or the drugs coming across the border, who's just a mom trying to do her thing and interviewing a former president or some of the other people like Charlie Daniels and others that I've interviewed, uh, uh, Nugent and just so many, I feel like they're all, they're, no one's greater than the other, maybe mm. in, in terms of how many people know who they are, but what they're doing is just as important as the one who's famous. Um, you know, so that I've always felt that way, too. So you would approach somebody who maybe hardly anybody's heard of the same as you would a president or a music star. Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, I have great respect for egalitarianism, so <laughs> that that's good. <laughs> well, it, let's say somebody out there. They're doing great things and really working hard to make this country a better place. And they're fighting for victims. And so to me, they really are heroes. They are heroes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, have, has there been maybe somebody that uh, you could tell us about that you finished the interview and you just thought to yourself, I am so impressed with this person? Wow, that's such a good question. There was... Um, Now I have to. I'm going to double check his name. There was a former congressman that was on. He he um, he just. You know what he did? He talked about character of some of the leaders that he had met in his lifetime. And I'm talking Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, Billy Graham. And for me, there was like there was a level of humility involved, but just the fact that he was able to really capture those qualities that made those great leaders great leaders. And so I love things like that too. People that look beyond themselves because I've met people that had to work with, I, I have a friend that, you know, worked with Kiss or Alton John and, and, but they don't really have, there's no like really good, something you want to chew on kind of information or stories they can tell. But I love it when someone like this guy could remember these stories and things about these people that made them great. So he was like looking outside of himself and he wasn't, he was enjoying the moment, but he was taking everything he could from that moment. Those are the interviews that I like people that had that much to offer. Do you have a favorite interview of all time? Um, yeah, it's hard to say because there's so many different categories. I would say that um, 
Like, for example, if I'm talking about the border, I love Tom Homan because like he is so irreverent. He just, you know, he's like, I wake up every morning pissed off. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, he's so passionate about what he does. I love people like he and Derek Maltz when we talk about the border, the drugs coming through. I love their passion. Um, and and they just they just tell it like it is. There is there is no pretense. There is nothing fake or phony about them. So I love them. I've had Judge Janine on. She's just a she's she's a little pistol. I really love her. And I've had pastors on that I've admired for years. I remember I worked for this Christian radio station once. Actually, I worked in their talk radio side of things. And I went over to the Christian side and I said to one of the somebody that did this little show on there. And I said, hey, do you have a contact for Pastor Jeffries or somebody else? You know, I was asking for a couple of the pastors. And he said, they're never going to come on your show. And I'm like, really? Okay. And I've had them all. You know, I've had all the big name pastors from all over the country. But um, some of my favorites are Pastor Jeffers. And um, my very favorite is Jack Hibbs. Because this guy is a pastor, a well-known pastor, and he knows scripture. But beyond that, he is able to apply it to where we are right now in this crazy world of ours. He understands politics. He's unafraid to say what he thinks, because as a pastor, he there are certain things that are just wrong. Abortion, wrong. Um, a lot of the other issues that we're facing today, just wrong. And he is unafraid to say that in the pulpit. And you have to give those kind of pastors a lot of credit. So he's he's actually political and biblical at the same time. And I like that about him. So there's like different categories of people that I, I think I've enjoyed almost everybody I've had on my show. Honestly. Likewise, likewise. You have also done quite a few broadcasts where it's like you're a pinch hitter. You know, you fill in for somebody. Yes. What What is that experience like? I love it. That like that. If I let it, if I think about it too much, for example, when I do Hannity's show, I think I think there's like what 500 stations that he's on across the country. If I really thought about that before I went on air, I think I would be a mess. A royal mess, but I, I really try not to think about it. And I just, I just get out there and talk. And I think I, I really just love talking to people. I want to make a connection with people. So I see it as a great opportunity to connect with people that I don't ordinarily have that opportunity to connect with. So that's why I, I really like it. And I don't think I'm as nervous as I might be because I just love making those connections. Well, speaking of those connections, has there been something that a listener or a viewer of something that you were on, has there been a compliment that you've received that meant the most to you? Only, only those that tell me you've changed my life in this way because I have never looked at things this way, particularly if I'm talking about my faith. Those are the ones I really like. Um, I, I talked about dementia a couple of times on my uh, programs here in the city and also on Hannity's show. And I had a lot of response, but that's something that's very personal to me because I took care of a father um, for three years. My sister and I share responsibilities and he had dementia and it was a really, it was tough. It was bittersweet. It was quite the journey. And yet I would, I would do it all over again, as exhausting as it was, as sad as it was, as difficult as it was. And I think those kind of things, those things that people can relate to, personally are the kind of things that I appreciate when they give me feedback that my faith and then just people saying, Hey, you know what? 
um, I have a new love for this country or I want to help preserve liberty as well. Those are all the things that really make me happy when I hear those kind of things. There's a man that lives in Pennsylvania. I've had him on a couple of times now. And uh, I know you have worked with him as well. And every time I, I've talked to him, I've just felt like I'm sitting at a, a kitchen table with him. I'm talking about Jeffrey Lord. <laughs> Wait a minute. Does Jeffrey Lord let you talk? <laughs> because when I have him on, he never shuts up. No, I'm like kidding. I can say that about him because we are very close friends. Jeffrey and I are very, very close friends. Well, tell us about this guy. He, he's an interesting person. Jeffrey knows something about everything, but what I really love, and so when there's something going on, or um, like when we were at the speakership, when we were going through that whole thing, he's the first person I call because I can say, hey, Jeffrey, has anything like this ever happened before? This guy knows exactly what happened and when, who the president was, who all the major players were. He knows his history, and I respect that because, as I said, I love our history, but I don't know that kind of stuff. He knows he knows everything. I don't care what's happening. I call Jeffrey Lord. I ask him, has this ever happened before in the history of this country? And he can tell you yes or no. And exactly the, the exact details as to what happened and when. Uh, he's a great guy. He's genuine. The thing about Jeffrey is he is just so genuine. He is who he is. That's it. I don't honestly think I. there's not a pretentious or bone in his body. He is just such a sweetheart. Maybe that's why I get the the kitchen feeling, uh, the kitchen table feeling. Yes. Yeah. And I always tease him. I'm like, take a breath, take a breath. But he's he's awesome. He's awesome. He's just a very smart man. And I love that people give him the opportunity to share what he knows. He is encyclopedic, though. You're right. <laughs> he really is. And these days without encyclopedias and uh, without somebody giving us the woke version of things, it's good to have him around. Absolutely. Well, Rose, tell us what broadcasters either that are out there now or throughout all of history, who do you especially respect? TV or radio? I I love this is funny because I don't really watch or listen to a lot of radio or podcasts. I just don't have the time. And not only that, I never wanted to be influenced by anyone else's opinion. I honestly just really like my own opinion. And I find that oftentimes when I have a, a feeling about something, I'm usually right. So I don't want to muddy the waters. But I will say my all time favorite in terms of radio personalities, and we were on a lot of the same radio stations together for many years, would be Rush Limbaugh. And I, um, I just think he was so smart. I really do. And people, I just, I had to scratch my head when people would say, oh, he can do the show with one, you know, half his brain tied behind his back. It's a joke, people. But, you know, he loves, he loved to do that. He didn't care what anyone else thought. And there's a story I always like to tell because at one time in my career, and I don't know if it's because I always had my headsets cranked up so high or what, but I started um, experiencing ringing in my ears and I was just having such difficulty and it's maddening. If anyone out there has had it, they know that it can be very maddening. So I had told Sean Hannity about that. Next thing I know, he had apparently told Rush and that's, I hadn't even thought about Rush because remember he did have that issue with his hearing. He called Rush. Rush called me on the phone and said, look, whatever I can do for you, do you want, I can send you to my doctors in California. I can. That's the kind of man he was. Now, fortunately, I didn't need to do any of that. I had a great doctor who said that he caught it just in time and we used steroids and that helped me. 
I, it, it, it cleared it all up for me. But the fact that he w- did that, and so we kind of stayed in touch for years afterwards until he passed. I'd send him little notes while we, he was on the air, and every once in a while he'd read it, you know, and say, oh, Rose in Pittsburgh is saying this. But um, I, I, I admire him because he did his homework. He was smart. I feel that I learned so much by listening to him. I just, I miss him. I miss him. That's, he's my favorite radio personality, I think. Well, you have good taste, Rose. Yeah, he's, I mean, like, how can you not like him? Oh, unless you're some crazy liberal, then you're not going to like him, right? But Right. Yeah, he's awesome. Well, I want to talk about something, and everybody out there, they can go to sheiscalledbyhim.com. So tell us, tell us, what is She Is Called By Him, a ministry? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So about a year ago, I decided to put this little ministry thing together for women because I had been through so much myself with my dad and trying to juggle my career and taking care of him and staying positive throughout it all. Plus, there are just so many other things that are going on in the world that women carry a lot on our shoulders. We, I always joke that when when we go to bed, my husband, as soon as his head hits the pillow, he's gone. He's out. He doesn't, that's it. Women, on the other hand, we'll lay there and we'll think about, oh man, did my son study for that, that math test that he has tomorrow? We forgot to talk about that. Did my daughter, my daughter hates what they're having for lunch at school tomorrow. I need to pack a lunch. I forgot all about that. And so we lay in bed and we're just like, all of this stuff just, and that never stops. Even when the kids are out of the house, just women have a lot on their plate, whether they're married with children, whether they're single. Um, And if they're single, there's even more on their plate. So when I went through this with my dad, it was, um, we we knew that he, he was showing signs of dementia. My other sisters knew before I did. I kept saying, no, he's just getting older and everything until his neighbor called and said, yeah, I kind of think this is, you know, you should probably not have him living on his own any longer. So I, I'm like, I had, I went to visit every month. He was living in Georgia. And then I woke up one morning in January and this was three years ago. And I felt like God told me, pack up your car for a very long time, put enough in there to last you for a while and uh, drive to Georgia. And I thought, oh God, first of all, I hate driving. I don't even care. I don't care if you live an hour away. I hate driving, let alone from Pittsburgh to Georgia. But I did it. I packed up the car. I went down there and it took a month and a half of me living there. And I just remember like when with dementia patients, first of all, with the elderly anyway, he was always cold. So the house was like 90 degrees. Hmm. And, and, um, the blinds are all shut because somebody might be looking in and it was just really difficult. It was a very tough month and a half. I would call my husband, my, my son and say, I can't do this anymore. They would say, come home. And I would say, I can't because I know that God sent me down here. I know he did. I cannot go home. So finally, after a month and a half, within three days, sold his house, packed him up, convinced him long enough because he would say, okay. And then change his mind by, you know, an hour or two later or forget that he agreed but in three days, sold his house, packed it, and moved him to Florida. And so we got him moved into a facility down there. It was independent living at that time. And then it had to progress into, into assisted care and then memory care, of course. That's how it all goes. Each year it was something different. But after I got him packed in, it turns out that CPAC was having their event in Florida that year. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go for a, a day or two. Now, staying at the Hyatt there, and at the Hyatt, if you get up in the middle of the night, the minute that your feet hit the floor, a light comes on that illuminates that whole floorway all the way into the 
restroom, right? So I got up and I put my foot down and it lights up and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then I felt God say to me, that is what I did for you. I told you where to place your foot. I told you, pack up your bags and go to Georgia. And then after that, I illuminated your path for you. I I, I opened up doors. I made a way for you all through that month and a half. And I felt that so strongly from him. And I thought, I want to help other women. I want to encourage them because we are going through difficult times right now. Um, Look around in the world. If you've got children, you're frightened. If you're single, you're frightened. You're alone. Fear played a big factor in all of our lives through COVID. And I just wanted to be there to minister to women and remind them that they were called, that he called us for such a time as this. So he has called us. I made it very personal. We have a newsletter I send out every week. Um, all you have to do is subscribe. That's it. It's one newsletter. We don't ask for money. We don't. Have, we don't want anything from you. We want to be there for you. And we have a prayer room where you can anonymously send in a prayer. I have people that pray for everyone. It's it's just a really great resource for anyone out there. So she is called by him. Dot com is just an encouraging. And I've got young people on staff that write about being a Christian in today's world or even being a conservative because that's been tough too. So I have kids on college campuses that submit stories. I have adults that do. Um, It's just, it's been a wonderful outreach for women. I'm really proud of it. So even if somebody, they they just have something that's been on their mind, they, they, they want you to, they want you all to pray for them. Yes. They can do even just that. Yeah, they can just send in. We have a prayer room, anonymous, and I actually have a group of women that pray for everyone. So it's really kind of cool. It's all how it came together. It's just amazing. I call it a God thing because I didn't know in the beginning, like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And it just all fell into place. I even today talked to someone else who's going to contribute and talk about trafficking. We've got a trafficking issue here in this country. And so she wants to contribute along that line. So it's just kind of neat how it just evolves over time. But uh, it was very organic and it's just proving to be a, a blessing, I think, to a lot of people. She is called by him.com. Yes. And all, always, of course, you can go to roseunplugged.com. And I've got my pod, podcast there along with uh, others that I, I like to feature that are some clients of mine, in fact. So, yeah. You were talking about fear, being afraid a moment ago. And it's something that I do hear from a lot of people, fear about all different kinds of things. Yes. They're worried about what could happen uh, with the election? What could happen with their mortgage? What could happen with, I mean, the, you could have a list if you, if you put your mind to it, to find things to worry about. What do you think is the best antidote for when somebody is feeling that kind of afraidness? I love what Oswald Chambers said in uh, My Utmost for His Highest. He talks about, it. He, he says, Pull your stupid self up, basically, he's saying, and and put fear to one side and live in the shadow of the almighty on the other side. And that's what I try to do, because oftentimes we fear things that are never going to happen. A lot of times we bring an old fear into a new day. These are all things that that cripple us and keep us from really being as effective and everything that God intended for us to be. So I, I will literally, my mind, if I, if something is scaring me, fear, I'm fearful of something happening, I will take that and I literally put it outside, perhaps on my back porch. And I'll say, you know what, God, I'm leaving that there with you. And every time I start to worry about that thing, I'll say, uh-uh, 
it's on the back porch. It's over there. And and Oswald Chambers said, do it a hundred times a day if you have to put that fear aside and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And so I, I've been learning to do that. And I can say that over now, watch now, I'm gonna get <laughs> but I, I have been learning uh over these last couple of years to really um put that into effect and just really leave it with God and abide in the shadow of the almighty. Cause that's a very safe place to be. What is the best thing about being Rose? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I make an awesome pasta and I get to eat it and I'll eat it by myself if I have to. That's <laughs> the best thing about Rose. <laughs> different sauces you can make with pasta. It's fun. That's the best thing is my cooking. I think. So you you uh, you enjoy going in the kitchen and cooking. I love it. And I like to bake bake also. I just made gluten-free brownies, believe it or not. They were actually really good. Really good. Yeah. Gluten-free like gluten brownies. Yeah, I know. Kind of sounds like it takes the fun out of everything, but guess what? It really didn't. It was pretty good. There are some real anomalies out there uh, <laughs> of gluten-free things that are really tasty or yeah. Yeah, I I found so I I love eating pasta. I would probably eat it every night if I thought that was a wise thing to do. But I, a friend of mine who's Italian and owns an Italian restaurant told me about a pasta that he uses in his restaurant. And it's from Italy. And I thought, because I've tried gluten-free pastas. They were horrible. And I tried this one. And it was, I couldn't even tell the difference. So I was really grateful to him for that. And so now I order it through an Italian store down the street um a bunch of them at one time boxes and boxes of it and it's really quite good and that allows me to still be creative with the sauce well it's been so wonderful to talk to you today and i always like to end my show i just give the guest the stage so it's it's an incredibly open-ended question if anybody's watching or listening wherever they are what would you say to them? What would I say to them? I think that right now that things look like they are falling apart. The the world looks like it's on the brink of something awful. It really does. We've got an election coming up and and it's anybody's guess how that's going to turn out because we, we're just living in crazy times right now. But what I would say is that things are not falling apart. A pastor told me that once. They are falling in place. They are falling into place. So God's still in control and you and I still need to do whatever it is that you and I were meant to do because there is something. There's a reason why we are here at this time. It's not by chance. It's not a coincidence. There is a purpose for each and every one of us, particularly during these crazy times. And I would say, too, that uh, above all else, it's family, it, it, family first, and then, you know, then our country, God, our country. But honestly, don't be fearful. That, that's what I would say, because a lot of people are fearful right now. But um, I think that things are falling into place. They're not, they're not falling apart. And just be encouraged. Very well put. Well, Rose, it's a blessing to talk to you. Thank you. It's always fun to talk to you, too. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com. 
slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.